You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're taking a fascinating deep dive into the subject of natural dairy and regenerative farming. Uh, we're talking to an expert. He's Sam Ingersoll. He's marketing director of an outfit called Kelowna Supernatural. K-L-O-N-A Supernatural. Look it up. Google it. Uh, you'll get to the website, kelonasupernatural.com. And uh, he talks about uh, his work there. Uh, with it sounds like a, a federation of farmers that adhere to your standards, right? Is that kind of the way it works? That's correct, both in the organic side and then fully regenerative side. Okay, so let's talk about the use, the pervasive use of antibiotics in dairy farming. I, I think some of them are now prohibited, but still, do antibiotic residues find their way into uh, a fairly high percentage of dairy products that people? find at supermarkets? Um, in general, um, in general, most of the dairy industry um, can feed their cows, feed that it's GMOs, pesticides, herbicides, and then antibiotics. Although RGB hormones, I think, have been sort of banned and um, people don't use those in the United States. These are the bovine um, Does it find its way into filters? Yeah. Filters is another issue. I'm sorry, what did you say? Well, I think do those things find their way into our food is a is another important issue. Okay, what, how do you mean? Because I mean, you're saying that the growth hormones are now regulated or banned, but are they being used uh, under the radar? Well, that's a good question. I don't I don't know that I can't say that, um, but I think that um, most. You know, dairy company, many dairy companies, especially on the organic side, have turned away from anything like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So that at least organic gives you a little. And so, and again, what the definition of organic when it comes to dairy, you, you can't feed them uh, a pesticide, herbicide laden feed. Is that the principle? Or, there? or GMO labeled feed for three years prior to certification. Okay. So it takes three years to transition. And you also, they have minimal animal treatment standards. So for dairy, the cows have to be on pasture 100, 120 days a year minimum. We exceed that. And then you can't use antibiotics or home or hormones. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's humane considerations here, too, because uh, PETA, for example, uh, believes that uh, the dairy industry involves exploitation of cows. And in fact, you know, well, you know, I got to say that 
the humans have used dairy products from time immemorial, uh, that uh, mm -hmm. the way that animals are confined on factory farms, and they're virtually uh, milk-producing machines uh, hooked up to, uh, you know, uh, milking machines and, you know, computerized apparatus and, uh, you know, with artificial light and pens. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not such a happy lot for them. Is, is there any advantage to uh, these uh, small regenerative uh, family farms? Absolutely. There's lots of, you know, conventional agriculture around the world, I would say, including dairy, can destroy entire ecosystems, soil, food, health, communities. Um, around the world, people are, are fighting and migrating and starving because the soil quality has been depleted and destroyed. You know, Libya used to be beautiful grasslands. Now it's just the, the desert, you know. Um, at, you know, at home, it, uh, conventional farming practice leads to less resilience to severe weather events. Farm closures, consolidation is destroying rural communities. Organic is much better, but you got to think of it sort of as not doing bad stuff. So you've stopped doing the bad stuff. No herbicides, pesticides, or GMOs, or antibiotics, or hormones. But then regenerative is actually doing a lot of good stuff in, uh, for the environment um, via focusing on soil health, which creates minimal rich levels, high levels of soil organic matter, a lot of biodiversity in terms of plants, insects, animals, microbes, which all have an effect on the quality of the food, water, the, the ability to, to infiltrate more water into the soil, which helps the small farms avoid drought um, and leads to greater crop yields, um, profitability, and then doesn't pump a bunch of chemicals down the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico. And then if you, you know, carbon, plants pull carbon out of the air. Carbon is yep. great. It's the basis of life. Um, but there's a lot of discussion now about how regenerative farms increase uh, increasing uh, biodiversity, plant diversity. It's fantastic because it pulls carbon out of the atmosphere. I mean, we see that we see that here with, you know, in the springtime, you can you can see clouds of carbon just being ripped up and pumped into the atmosphere. They can see that. It's like on spectrographs. There's like big, massive amounts of carbon floating up. And we think that needs to stay in the soil for starters. Um, so. So, yeah, regenerative uh, regenerative practices help the environment, help food quality. Um, and are better for cows. And so I would say this about cows. Yeah. Um, cows are not the problem. It's the way cows are used. Um, conventional dairy cows um, get packed into up to 15,000 cows per barn. They get pumped full of GMO grades, and within about three years, they've been so exhausted in these high-stress conditions and have been kept alive by antibiotics, but only for so long until they can't – They they are unable to produce enough milk, and then, frankly, they're more valuable to the fast food industry. Your fast food burgers are coming from dairy cows that have been mm. abused. Wow. And they contribute, I think there is an argument that they contribute to, you know, pollution and waste. Um, you know, it's, you drive out through, like, Kansas towards Denver, and you start to see these massive, you know, uh, landscapes that are, empty of everything and then you come to these massive farms where all these animals are just pooping just into one endless pile cowsheds. and that stuff gets released yeah and then that stuff yeah. actually destroys communities because where's all that effluent going um you know yeah. it's one of the things that, but it's uh, different for regenerative farms regenerative dairy farms yeah. do things differently so what one of the things so, i've heard is excuse me is mm -hmm. that uh you can actually modify the amount of methane. Methane is the culprit. It's said to be, you know, a global warming gas. And, you know, animals obviously mm -hmm. uh, either 
uh, fart or belch uh, methane into the atmosphere. Probably more it's erectations. It's from the upper GI tract. But uh, in a human condition that I treat frequently in patients, they have what's called SIBO, mm. small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It's often a proliferation of bacteria that's caused by overuse of antibiotics and uh, high carbohydrate food, too much sugar. And it creates a mm. sort of a bubble, bubble, toil and trouble where uh, gas is produced in the gastrointestinal tract and it comes out both ends. When you feed animals a more natural feed, do you tamp down on that methane production? Oh, I think I think so. I mean, evidence is there. People are doing all kinds of studies. They're mostly, though, just like with global warming, you know, going to develop some super technology solution. Air scrubbers? Are you kidding me? Masks over cows? Give me a break. Yeah. We used to have, you know, millions and millions of bison and deer and elk stomping yeah. across the, the 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 United States. They weren't producing too much too much carbon dioxide or methane. Um, in fact, you know, all their all their went all their dung and their pee, which was a lot, you know, was being dumped in one area, stomped into the soil, absorbed by plants in a natural way, as as it was right there. And then, then the animals would go away and then they'd come back in a year and do the same thing. It's called high density grazing. Right. We mimic that on our farms. Well, that, that's um, actually, excuse that me, that's, the, the, that's the model, that's the, the model ecosystem, which is, you know, when the, uh, the, uh, uh, early, explorers first uh, came across the country mm -hmm. uh, they noticed vast unending uh, prairies mm -hmm. uh, which were populated by millions of bison and other herbivores animals that ate the grass and this was a self-sustaining environment uh, for millennia and uh, yep. of course uh, you know as European settlers uh, came to the United States since they said wow this is great fertile farmland and they began to plow it up and they turned it into cornfields mm -hmm. uh, and then you know when the soil became depleted they you added fertilizer and then you know when the bugs came they added uh, mm -hmm. herbicides and pesticides um, so uh, in effect what uh, regenerative agriculture is about is is to sort of replicate uh, the primeval um, conditions by which our our ecology was in balance. Yeah, and it developed that way for tens of thousands of years, and then after World War II, when they needed to figure out a new use for the the chemical weapon content um, and ingredients. Oh, let's let's dump nitrogen. Let's dump you know d dump nitrogen into into all the fields and give it nitrogen that way. Well, there's plenty of nitrogen in the air. You just need enough plants to pull it down. And when you dump nitrogen on plants, you know what they do? They get lazy. They're like lazy. They just uh, absorb it. It's like you're mm -hmm. just stuffing somebody with food and they get mm. lazy. Interesting. And they become far less effective. Um, for the, for the bisons, give me 10,000 cows. Give me 10,000 cows and less land than you could possibly imagine. And if we rotate them the correct way, focusing on the soil health and plant regrowth before we bring them back, mimicking the bison patterns, um, they are good for the environment. And and the studies like by, I don't know, the, uh, sort of vegan-associated entities that are, you know, making the case that meat and dairy is um, is not as good, it take, takes more water, et cetera, it's, it's total bogus because cows graze that way, ranchers graze, you know, cattle graze that way, um, are better for the environment and better for our health and better for our communities. Uh, growing a bunch of, growing a bunch of sterilized, you know, um, stuff or 
plants, plants in monocultures, one plant with, you know, sort of chemical inputs and then combining with a bunch of chemicals to make a fake, you know, meatless burger is harming the environment far more. Oh, and they kill rabbits and all kinds of bugs, et cetera, et cetera. They're harming the environment far more than the dairy cows and the cattle that are grazed in the right way to mimic nature. Right. Sorry, so, I get excited. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, oh, I get going. I enjoy your passion. Uh, okay, so, and I share it. So, uh, yeah, there's always, there's really a push towards lab-grown meat these days, you know, where we can uh, synthesize um, the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we could actually put in cell culture, we can grow the, the animal cells and clone them and, and, and promote them with growth substances and, uh, that someday, you know, that'll be the way that we can, uh, eliminate animals entirely and just use, uh, biotechnology. Uh, but what's happening in the milk industry is kind of interesting is the, the milk consumption of Americans is going down because Americans are, they're kind of wary of milk. They think, well, maybe it's fattening, uh, or maybe it's causing mm-hmm. a lot of allergies. There's a lot of lactose intolerance. So there's a lot of milks out there. There's oat milk, there's macadamia milk, there's almond yep. milk. Um, what say you about, uh, you know, aren't they reasonable supplements uh, of substitutes for people who have problems with ordinary milk? Well, um, I guess they're substitutes if you have a severe, you know, dairy allergy. But um, stop, stop buying the conventional garbage, you know, that's been sterilized and smashed and comes from cows who have a high grain GMO diet and see what happens. Well, you might find that you can enjoy dairy once again. And we hear that all the time. Yeah, and this is what I would have to say is that I, you know, I look at some of these products and, uh, when you look at the actual content, uh, many of mm-hmm. them are very high in carbohydrates. Many of them are, yep. are fairly high in calories. And let's face it, they are ultra processed foods. Now, milk yep. is processed. We've got to admit it is a, uh, partially processed food, but hey, yep. it is a natural biological product. And when you attempt mm-hmm. to, uh, replicate it, uh, you know, what you're getting is, uh, you know, a liquid equivalent of an impossible burger, you know, with your uh, milk substitute drinks. And I, there's actually kind of an uproar by dairy farmers saying, hey, you don't have the right to call this milk. I mean, you can call it an oat drink, or you, but you, you're calling it uh, exactly. milk or macadamia milk. It's not milk. Nope. It's just another just another money grab. And most of those are filled with garbage. And the ones that aren't. Like you pour oat milk, find a just oat milk, milk, non-milk. I call it oat water. Um, you pour it into your coffee, and you're going to get a you're going to get a bug sugar spike. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Whereas full fat a full fat dairy, you won't. Well, yeah. What about that? Because you know uh, there is a big push to, and I think it's it's the profit motive is there because what they do is they don't just give you milk like in you know the old fashioned way in a milk bottle with cream on the top and mm-hmm. you know uh, milk in the bottom, uh, but they fractionate the milk so you can have it any which way you want. You can get whole cream, or you can get one percent mm-hmm. milk, or you can get uh, skim milk, and you know six ways to Sunday. Uh, they break it out for you. But, uh, you know, are, is that a false promise? Yeah, I mean, our, our you know, they people pushed um, non, stay away from fat, stay away from fat. Well, we know that good fats um, are important and good fats that aren't polluted or ruined are even more important and actually really good. Again, studies, studies, you know, going after dairy are, are, are not regenerative grass fed, 
you know, dairy that they're testing on. They're testing on the garbage. But even when I um, look at some of those studies, so, Sam, you know, I, where they actually yep. try to demonstrate that uh, there may be some benefits from low-fat dairy, because the, right now the American Heart Association go to the website and they say, well, substitute low-fat dairy for, you know, conventional dairy. Uh, but there's no scientific mm-hmm. basis for it because new studies are suggesting that from the standpoint of cardiovascular disease, uh, full-fat dairy uh, is not increasing the risk for cardiovascular disease. So, nope. uh, you know, that's like the whole thing is kind of a hype. Yep. And we can't, you know, everybody, I, I would say that the industry, that people are swinging way towards full-fat dairy. Like our whole milk sells incredibly well. It's growing, you know, I don't know. I can't probably can't say the percent over last year, um, but people don't buy our two percent, you know. And and if we do get people, you know, with certain health conditions. And by the way, like, just I just can't. for reference, excuse me, to, to explain it, and you, I know you know this well, but let me share with the audience. Some yep. people think when they get two percent milk, it's like ninety eight percent of the fat has been removed. Actually, milk, full fat milk, is four percent, right? So two percent means it's half of the fat is removed. One percent means you know seventy five percent is removed, and then skim is like virtually no fat. So, but that, you know, this notion that, uh, uh, you know, 2% milk is very low in fat, it's got less, but, you Mm -hmm. know, it's about half the fat. Well, everything's about money, you know, usually, and the economic drivers are that if you can sell a lot of skim milk or 2% milk, then you skim off the cream and all that cream is super butter. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Slice it and dice it. Slice it and dice it. Who funds the studies? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all interesting. Uh, okay. So, uh, it, when you, if, uh, you go to, uh, Kelowna Supernatural, Supernatural, it's singular, Kelowna Supernatural.com, uh, are we talking about a full range of dairy products or are we just talking milk? Or are there cheeses or are there, you know, is there <laughs> chocolate milk for the kitties or, you know, different variations? Yeah. No, we sell whole milk. Our chocolate milk will astound you. Um, wow. The word we hear is a new obsession because it's whole milk. Again, yeah. most chocolate milk is is skimmer skimmer two percent milk, and they got to do something with it, so they turn it into chocolate milk. Ours is full fat whole. They've, milk. they've done Cream studies top. on chocolate milk, whole fat chocolate milk, as a recovery drink for athletes, and Fantastic. some of the studies, suggest, yep. you know, because like you don't you don't necessarily like before you go for a run, you really don't want to have a glass of milk. Let me tell you, because <laughs> nope. if you're looking for a stitch in your side, <laughs> that'll do it. But as a recovery drink, after exertion, it's a great way to replete uh, calories, and there's a lot of protein in a very digestible mm-hmm. form. You know, whey protein is yep. uh, and the right valuable. and the right balance of yeah. protein to carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Oh, okay, so I mean, sorry. Yeah, so uh, keep going. We have whole milk, two percent milk, chocolate milk, buttermilk, um, half and half. Whipping cream, uh, three different types of yogurt, 100% grass-fed, um, verified regenerative. Um, we have a couple kefirs. We've got um, sour cream and cottage cheese. Hmm. Um, our sour cream and cottage cheese is not verified regenerative yet, but it comes from the same small organic um, Amish farms up in um, up in Wisconsin, and hmm. um, is great anyway for that. So let me let me ask you. You know, you're up against it because, you know, frankly, your methods could be a little more uh, expensive, time consuming, uh, labor intensive, and uh, you know, people 
you know, especially with inflation, they're looking to their pocketbooks. So they, you know, look on the shelves and they're going to buy stuff that's conventional, you know, maybe cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then the farmers too, you know, the margins have to be greater on those big industrial farms that are run by big corporations, maybe private equities involved, to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pull more money out of these uh, operations because they got a lot of capital to invest. So uh, how do you get buy-in from, you know, these farmers? Do they have to do it on pure altruism and idealism? Well, I'd say that's part of it. You know, our um, our Mennonite and Amish farmers are committed to being good stewards of the earth. It's part of their faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And they're interested in their family generations. You know, some have been around for 150 years. So they're interested in their families continuing in that dairy farming business. This is very t- different from small farms now. And I'm talking corn and bean kind of farms. If you get in a room with 100 farmers, ask them how many of their kids are going into um, farming. It's about one or two maybe raise their hand. Right. Um, so they, a lot of farmers are telling me that their kids are going to college for business degrees because farming is more yep. of a business. It's like how do you how do you get the tax benefits? How do you get the subsidies? You know how do you know all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not so much you yeah. know, traditional uh, you know uh, you know uh, driving a tractor. Uh, it's actually also learning how to use really high tech uh, expensive equipment too. Yep, it really requires a, an educational and a mind shift. But more and more people are realizing this is the only thing that's going to save our save our our yields and our profitability, especially um, during extreme weather events, which are popping up more, and global climate change warming in our area. That's what you you know believe in. Um, we got we got customers on both sides of that issue. It's an interesting uh, merger around regenerative. Um, but yeah, they they see it from a profitability, they see it from a community standpoint, and they see it from their own families continuing in the farming tradition. But we do pay them, we do pay them um, pretty well, and the money goes to the a bunch of small farmers, not a big corporation. And big corporations, I'll tell you this, um, you know, you see a dairy, you see an organic dairy that um, is known for being. I'm not going to you know bash our competitors because they're they're trying to do the right things. But when you get a venture capitalist com- company in that space, what they're trying to do is grow market share as fast as possible, don't care about being profitable, they can lose money. Um, they're learning to, to grow that operation as fast as possible and then sell out. Oh. And we know of one case where oh, where interesting. you know a venture capital company took over and started dumping farms for bigger yeah. farms, Yeah, putting people out of business. So, we actually, this, yeah. So and I, mean, sort of the, I think this is interesting because you have sort of a, a bifurcated career. You know, you started as a sociologist and <laughs> then you started taking care of communities. But it sounds like in mm-hmm. kind of an urban setting. And yep, now yep. I think you sort of kind of reconfigured your idealism towards a different cause. So, you know, yeah, you're supporting sure. small communities and you're supporting uh, overall health uh, and mm-hmm. you're fighting the system in a way. Uh, by uh, supporting this type of enterprise, my parents were hippies. They were all about fighting okay. the system and doing things differently. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just like everybody else. You know, I'm a, 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 a big chunk of our of our population which has money, has influence. You know, affluence, some affluence. You know, drives a big nice car, and their kids are buried in video games. And you know, everybody's having their mental health and medical challenges. And going, there's got to be a different way to live, and it's got to be more natural. It's got to start with you know more natural food, 
And, you know, getting off to electronics a little bit is a big part of that. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, no, but that's an important message. Yeah. Uh, have you made inroads into, into the big box stores, or do people have to order through the website? How do people get the products at this point? Yep. No, we, 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 by virtue of how we've protected our farms through diversification of corporations, like a trucking company and our own plants, we, we've survived. No, mo- most little dairies like ours get crushed pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but we are in 50 states and 3,500 stores nationwide, including oh. Whole Foods, oh. Sprouts, okay. Hy-Vee, Natural Grocers, lots of independent co-ops across the country. And that'll be under the Kelowna label or uh, under all the diverse Yes. Yeah, no, labels? no, it's our... Our products just got into Erewhon, which is, you know, uh, Hollywood and where the stars, the stars shop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's wild. A, a sort of high end gourmet, uh, health food stores. Uh, well, great stuff. Uh, is there anything else that we should touch upon that you want to get across to our intelligent medicine listeners? Well, I just think, you know, the average vegetable fountain taste supermarkets are five to 40% lower in mineral content. So what we're talking about extends from dairy to carrots and fruits, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, um, I'm, you know, I think lots of people can't get good food and so they need supplements, et cetera. But, um, human gut biome, I mean, you know, it developed just like our evolution over thousands of years. And so a natural solution is pretty good for that. Okay, great. Um, yep. And I, I just, if you're looking for it, look for, Look for a regenerative certification on the label. We're verified. Our farms are verified by land to market. That means mm-hmm. we have data that our farms are uh, contributing to the environment. Um, land to market is associated with the Savory Institute, which many people know is the leader in land health. And so, you know, for our for that for land to market, you know, there's a real ethos of if we're not maintaining, if we're not managing the land differently, what does it matter? You know, carbon, carbon credit swaps, all this stuff is silly if we're not having an impact on the land. And the way they have an impact on the land is to give farmers flexibility in how they're operating um, um, and some consideration of transfer over time, et cetera, which is important because if you jam a sander down a farmer's throat, they're not going for it and um, it can hurt them. It takes a while to do this kind of thing. Absolutely. Well, you know, look, congratulations yep. on a wonderful enterprise. And when I go to the uh, the big box uh, stores and some of the places like Whole Food, because I live in Manhattan and there are a bunch of them, uh, I will uh, look for your products uh, because I'm if we don't side. talk to the dairy manager and then maybe they'll bring them in or special order them for you. Okay, great. Well, I'm very, very excited about Thank it. Thank you. Sam, you know, wonderful, wonderful discussion of, I think, touching upon uh, this issue of regenerative agriculture, uh, you know, across the board, because, you know, we can apply that to techniques for growing uh, all our crops and also growing uh, livestock for, uh, you know, animal food consumption. Uh, I think these principles yep. are really uh, the way to go uh, and not, you know, simply eliminating uh, animal products uh, in uh, supposed service of, uh, you know, preventing climate change uh, and, you uh, you know, because of the health, supposed uh, health uh, uh, detriments of animal products. I'm, I'm not, as our listeners know, uh, I believe in uh, consumption of animal products alongside mm-hmm. plenty of natural produce. So good stuff. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. So once again, Kelowna Naturals dot natural, without the S, dot com. Clonasupernatural.com. Uh, and I'm a fan of yours, and I encourage everybody to go to your website and check your stuff out, too. Well, absolutely. We're a mutual admiration society. Good stuff. 
Thank you, Sam. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations.